Good evening. It's good to be back together tonight. Appreciate this another opportunity that we have to spend some time in worship. You know, as I look around, one thing that I've noticed is that I see a lot of blue. I see a lot of shirts that have UK on them. Don't, don't think I don't notice that. Uh, but hey, it's hard to beat a team whenever they could close their eyes and shoot at full court and make it every time. It's, it's rough, rough to handle. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, tonight we're going to return to our study of the book of Ephesians that we were involved in before the tornado. We're go- tonight we're going to be looking at just a handful of verses, verses 3 through 7. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 7. Our lesson title tonight is Stay Away. I noticed as I was pulling out of the driveway out here on our electronic sign, you know how it has the sermon titles? It had a PM sermon right, right as I was about to pull out. I noticed it said PM sermon, stay away. I don't know if that's the best thing to put on the sign or not. Leslie and I were laughing about that. I'm glad that you didn't stay away. I don't want you to stay away from here, but as we look in Ephesians 5, there are some things that we need to stay away from as followers of Jesus. When you think about that phrase, that's a phrase that we've come, become pretty accustomed with over the last couple of years, right? With the spread and rise and impact of COVID-19, we've had to stay away from a lot of different people. We've had to stay away from a lot of different things. We've had to stay away from one another. We've had to stay away from family and friends, especially those who might be more susceptible to being heavily impacted by the coronavirus. We've had to stay away from our favorite places, from our favorite restaurants, from worship assemblies, from school, from work. You go down the line... Throughout the last two years, we've become accustomed to this phrase, stay away. We've had to stay away from so many different people and so many different things. Well, it's a phrase that we've heard a lot over the last couple of years. It shouldn't be a new phrase for us as Christians. It shouldn't bring anything new to our lives as followers of Jesus because when we look at texts like this one in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 3 through 7, we find some things that we are to stay away from, some things that we are to keep our distance from as followers of Jesus. When you think about the context of this, since it's been just a few minutes since we've studied together in the book of Ephesians, when you look at the context, I think you go back to chapter 4. Overall in the book of Ephesians, I believe that Paul is talking to us about these spiritual blessings that we receive whenever we're inside of Jesus, as opposed to being outside of Jesus. And when you look in Ephesians chapter 4, one of those spiritual blessings that we receive as Christians is new life. Verse 22 says, that we put off the old self. Verse 23 says we're renewed in the spirit of our minds. And in verse 24, we put on the new self, which has been created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So you keep reading throughout Ephesians chapter 4, and Paul talks about what that new life in Jesus looks like in some very practical ways. He talks to us about some things that we should do. He talks to us about some things that we shouldn't do. As we talked about last time we studied from Ephesians, when you look at Ephesians 4 and verse 32, down to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2, Paul talks about how we are to copycat God. You remember that? 
We're to copycat His forgiveness in chapter 4 and verse 32. We're to copycat His nature in chapter 5 and verse 1. We're to copycat His love in chapter 5 and verse 2. We're to imitate God as His beloved children. Which brings us to Ephesians 5 and verse 3. As we live out this new life in Jesus, as we've received a new identity in Jesus, we're not who we are, or we're not who we used to be, but now we've embraced this new self in the Lord. There's some things that we are to stay away from. There's some things that we are to keep our distance from. So tonight, let's think about the question what, what are those things? According to this text, according to this handful of verses, what should we stay away from? as followers of Jesus. I think the first thing that Paul tells us in Ephesians 5, verses 3 through 5, is that we are to stay away from sin. In those three verses, Paul lists six different sins that we are to stay away from. Six different sins that we are to keep our distance from. Let's notice those together. Let's talk about those just a little bit. First, in verse 3, Paul says that we are to stay away from immorality. Talking about sexual immorality, the Greek word there is porneia. It's a very general term. In fact, when you look in verses 3-5, through five, all of these terms are very general. They're not very specific. Each term encompasses a lot of different things. Paul tells us we are to stay away from immorality. We are to stay away from sexual immorality. We're going to talk about this in just a few weeks in Ephesians 5 and verse 31 as we talk about the husband-wife relationship and how that mirrors the relationship that exists between Jesus and His church. But in Ephesians 5 and verse 31, Paul actually quotes Genesis 2 and verse 24 where God outlines for us His original design for marriage. He says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Anything outside of that marriage relationship, the sexual relationship that exists between a man and his wife, is what Paul is talking about when he uses the word immorality. Whether we're talking about premarital sex, whether we're talking about adultery, whether we're talking about homosexual relationships, anything outside of this original design that God talks about in Genesis 2, it's quoted a number of different times throughout the New Testament, anything outside of a man leaving his father and his mother and being bound to his wife and those two becoming one flesh, one plus one equals one, is the immorality, the sexual immorality that we are to stay away from. As Christians, we don't flirt with sexual immorality. We don't see how close we can get to the line without actually crossing the line. And in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 18, Paul tells us we are to flee from sexual immorality. It's something that we are to stay away from. Number two, Paul says that we are to stay away from all impurity in verse 3. Again, that word impurity is a very general term. Paul, what are you talking about? Are you, ta- are you telling me that I should stay away from impure words? Are you telling me that I should stay away from impure actions? Are you telling me that I should stay away from impure thoughts? I think the answer to that question is yes. That we're to stay away from what? Not just some impurity, but all impurity. You know what all impurity has in common? You know what impure words and impure actions have in common according to the teachings of Jesus? They all come from the mind. 
Impure words come from impure thoughts. Impure actions come from an impure mind. And so if we're going to do this, if we're going to stay away from all impurity, it starts in the mind. I purify my mind. And when I purify my mind, I'm going to purify my life. Number three, Paul says we are to stay away, depending on your translation, from covetousness or greed. He doesn't just mention it in verse 3. He also mentions it again in verse number 5. This term refers to a desire that wants more and more and more. I'm never satisfied with what I have. And maybe I look at your life and I want what you have. I'm always wanting more material possessions. I'm always wanting more physical things. And that's my number one pursuit in life. That's what I'm concerned with as I live my life on a daily basis. You notice what Paul has to say about covetousness when you skip down to verse 5. Perhaps you noticed it when we read in our Scripture reading. Notice he says that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, and then zero in on this, who is covetous, that is an idolater. Paul equates covetousness or greed with idolatry. What is idolatry? Maybe sometimes when we picture idolatry, we think about bowing down to something made out of wood or bowing down to something made out of metal like they did in the Old Testament time. And while that's certainly idolatry, that certainly fits the definition, it's, it's a little more broad than that. Idolatry is anything that we choose to put before God. Anything that we choose to prioritize above Him. When I'm a covetous person, when I'm a greedy person, whatever I'm covetous or greedy for, I'm going to place above God. I'm going to prioritize above Him. And so here we find that a synonym that we might not match with covetousness, but it's one that the Holy Spirit matches with greed is idolatry. When I'm a covetous, greedy person, I'm also an idolater. When my number one pursuit is to get more and more stuff, I'm not seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Matthew chapter 6 In verse number 33, I think what Paul is wanting us to do is, as we come to the end of verse 3, is to look at this list and then to look at our lives. Immorality, impurity, covetousness, greed. He says in verse 3 that these things must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. These things that we're talking about, these things that we're to stay away from, they shouldn't be seen in our lives. They shouldn't be seen in our lives individually. They shouldn't be seen in the lives, the life of our congregation here or any congregation that is faithful to the Lord. They are not fitting for us as saints, holy people of God, to do these kinds of things. Paul continues in verse 4 and says that we're to stay away from filthiness. A term that refers to disgraceful or shameful behavior. We are not to live in a filthy way. When I think about the word filthy, the picture that comes to my mind is a pig rolling around in the mud. Don't let that be the picture of your life. Don't let that be the picture of how you act or the picture of how you speak, the picture of how you think. Don't live in a shameful, disgraceful, filthy way. Number five, Paul says that we are to stay away from foolish talk. Again, like I said, this is a very general term. This encompasses a lot of different things. Using words that we shouldn't use. Gossiping about people. Talking about people behind their back. 
cursing other people, making fun of other people, cutting other people down instead of building them up. Paul says you need to be very careful about how you speak. You need to be very careful about how you talk. James warns us against that in James chapter 3. It's a difficult thing to do, isn't it? James says if you can completely tame your tongue, then you can tame the rest of your body. That's how difficult it is. We're all going to struggle with this sometimes. But it's something we need to work on. It's something that we need to work on staying away from. And then the sixth idea that Paul mentions in verse number 4, the sixth sin that we are to stay away from according to this text is crude joking. Could look at that term in a couple of different ways, and I think that both of them are valid. This could refer to dirty jokes, telling jokes that are inappropriate, or telling jokes at somebody else's expense. When you're joking, but you're actually hurting that person. Paul says that's something that we're to stay away from. Now, there's nothing wrong with humor. Humor is a good thing. I like to joke around. I know that many of you like to joke around. It makes life fun, doesn't it? We need to make sure our joking and humor doesn't cross the line. We need to make sure that our joking, our humor, doesn't become about things that are inappropriate. We need to make sure that our joking or humor is not at the expense of other people. We as Christians are to stay away from sin. Again, I think what Paul is wanting us to do is he's wanting us to look at verses 3 and 4. He's wanting us to look at those six sins and then to look at our lives. Am I struggling with any of those things? Do I need to step away from any of those things? It's something that we need to evaluate ourselves on because it comes with a heavy price. There's a very high price to pay whenever I'm living that kind of life as a Christian, you look at verse number 5, he says, for you may be sure of this. He says, here's something you can slide everything in on. You, you know this as a follower of Jesus. You can be sure that everyone, no distinction, it doesn't matter what your socioeconomic status is, doesn't matter what your race is, doesn't matter what your job is, doesn't matter who you're related to. He says, you can be sure that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. When I choose to live a life of sin as a Christian, I'm making a trade. And it's a trade that none of us should want. To make. Paul says when you choose to live in sin, when you choose to live a life that's defined by immorality or, or, or foolish talking or crude joking, covetousness, idolatry, he says you're giving up your spot in the kingdom of Jesus. You're giving up your inheritance in the kingdom of God, not just here, but also hereafter. It's something we need to pay attention to. It's something that we need to think about because there's a punishment if we're submitting to those things. As Christians, we are to stay away from sin. Like we said a minute ago, we've taken a lot of precautions to stay away from the coronavirus. We've stayed away from a lot of people, stayed away from a lot of different places and activities. The question popped into my mind, what if we treated sin as seriously as we do COVID-19? What if we tried to stay away from sin as much as we've tried to stay away from this illness, from this disease? Compare the two. Numbers from earlier last week 
said that about 270 million people in the world have tested positive for the coronavirus. Do you know how many people have sinned? What does Romans 3 and verse 23 say? I think it's one of Michael's favorite verses. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The COVID separates us from people. It separates us from activities. What does sin do? It separates us from God. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2 talks about how your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. At the very worst, COVID-19 causes physical death, and that's true in about 2% of all cases. You might look at that and think that's really low, but it's kind of heartbreaking, isn't it? That 2% of all people who come down with the coronavirus end up passing away from it. When you think about sin, sin, for those who are outside of Christ, causes not physical death, but spiritual death. Not 2% of the time, but 100% of the time. What does Paul say in Romans 6 and verse number 23? The wages of sin is death. What if we treated sin as seriously as COVID-19? We should treat COVID-19 seriously. I'm not downplaying that at all. It's something that we should try to stay away from. But what if we tried to stay away from sin and we put as much effort into that as we have staying away from COVID? Would it change the way that we live? Would it change the kind of decisions that we make? Would it change the things we do, the things that we say, the way that we think? Number one, we are to stay away from sin. Number two, Paul says as we continue into verse number six, that as Christians, we are to stay away from deception. He says in verse six, this is a command, let no one deceive you. He says, let nobody trick you. Don't, don't let anybody pull the wool over your eyes. Here, Paul is warning his readers against those who are going to try to justify sinful behavior. He's warning his readers, and I think he's warning us today, against those who are going to look at those six sins those sins we talked about in verses 3-5, through five, and say, there's nothing wrong with that. You can be a faithful Christian and do those kind of things. There's really nothing wrong with immorality or covetousness or greed or idolatry. I think we have an example in the New Testament of people who did that very thing. When it came to sexual immorality, it seems when you look at 1 Corinthians 6, verses 12 and 13, some of the Christians who were at Corinth began to justify sexual immorality. They thought it was okay. In this... 1 Corinthians 6, it's as if Paul is, is simulating a conversation between himself and the Corinthians. Notice in quotes, he's quoting the Corinthians, all things are lawful for me, the Corinthians said. In other words, we can do whatever we want to do. Paul responds to it, but not all things are helpful. Here's what the Corinthians say, all things are lawful for me, I can do whatever I want. Paul responds, I will not be dominated by anything. And then look at this. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. That's a metaphor that the Corinthians would use to justify sexual immorality. Whenever you're hungry, when you have that physical desire, whenever your stomach is growling, what do you do? Oh, you're not going to abstain from food, are you? You're going to go in and get some food. You're, you're going to satisfy that physical desire. Well, it's the same way with sexual morality, isn't it? If you have the physical desire to commit sexual immorality, then go do it. It's just like fulfilling the desire to fill an empty stomach. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And here's what Paul says. 
God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual morality. Food's meant for the stomach, and the stomach meant for food. You, you know what that means, right? The body is not meant for sexual morality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. What's Paul telling the Corinthians? What is he telling us in Ephesians, the fifth chapter? Don't let anybody deceive you. You know that these things are wrong. You know that you're not supposed to do these things as you live your life on a daily basis, so don't let anyone convince you otherwise. Don't let anyone pull the wool over your eyes. Don't let anybody trick you with what? With empty words. Paul says these deceivers are going to be saying a lot. They're going to be using a lot of words, but their words are empty. There's nothing to them. Their words don't have any weight because their words are not connected to Scripture. Once again, we find a very high price of punishment associated with this. He says in verse number 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. Why? For, because of, the, because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Don't be deceived by these people because look at who they are. They're the sons of disobedience. They're living disobediently to God. And because they're living disobediently to God, what's going to be their destiny? What's going to be the outcome of that? Not God's favor. Not God's grace. But God's wrath. Again, I think Paul is wanting us to think about ourselves what happens when you allow the sons of disobedience to deceive you when they deceive you you become what they are when you're deceived by the sons of disobedience you become a son of disobedience what happens when you become a son of disobedience you're going to experience the same punishment you're going to experience the same outcome that they're going to when you become what they are, you're going to experience their outcome. Again, not God's grace, but God's wrath. So again, something that's very serious. Something that we need to spend some time thinking about. Don't let anybody deceive you. We need to stay away from deception. I don't know what that might look like in your life on a daily basis, but... I mean, we can think of a few examples. I imagine somebody approaching a Christian and trying to tempt them to drink alcohol or to take some kind of drug. What? Everybody else is doing it. There's nothing wrong with it. You want to be like everybody else, don't you? I imagine a boyfriend or girlfriend looking at their significant other and saying, well, why don't we go ahead and take this next step in our relationship? It's what we're supposed to do, right? We love one another and we think we're going to get married anyway, so, so let's just go ahead and do that. There's not anything wrong with it, is there? You look on social media and, and you can find videos of maybe different people who claim to be preachers, people who claim to be religious, saying that th lifestyles like homosexuality is okay. You know what Paul says to that? Don't let anybody deceive you. Based on Scripture, you know what's right, you know what's wrong. Don't let anybody convince you otherwise because when they deceive you, you become what they are. And when you become what they are, you are going to receive their punishment. And then finally, number three, Paul says that we are to stay away from sinful influences. Look at verse number seven. He says, Therefore, do not become partners. Some translations might use the word partakers. 
Some translations might use the word sharers. Do not become partners, partakers, sharers with them. In that, Paul is not telling us to shut ourselves off from the world. Paul is not telling us to don't have anything to do with worldly people. Never talk to them. Never associate with them. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, Paul says if we did that, we'd have to go out of the world. You couldn't even go to the grocery store if it was your goal in life to never associate with a sinful person. And so that's not what Paul is telling us here. He's not telling us to shut ourselves off from the world. What he is telling us is don't participate in the sins of the world. When you're around sinful people on a daily basis, when you're at work, when you're at school, or even when you're at the grocery store, don't become partakers in their sinful behavior. Don't allow them to influence you. Don't allow them to pull you away from God. If they're committing sexual immorality, you don't commit sexual immorality. If you're around somebody who uses a lot of cuss words, don't start using cuss words. If you're around someone who likes to gossip a lot, don't start gossiping with that person. If you're around someone maybe sitting at a table at lunchtime and someone tells a dirty joke, don't be partners with them in their sinful behavior. Not shutting ourselves off from the world. Not making it our goal. Well, I'm never going to talk to. I'm never going to find myself around a worldly person, but not sharing with them in their lifestyle, not becoming partners with them in their rebellion against God. As Christians, we are to stay away from sinful influences. In a context talking about the resurrection, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 33, don't be deceived. Bad company ruins. It corrupts good morals. Maybe sometimes we are deceived about this. We think that we can spend time with sinful people all the time, spend the majority of our time with those who are living in rebellion to God, and it's not going to impact me. In fact, I'm going to influence them for good. They're not going to influence me for bad. I'm going to influence them for good. Don't be deceived about that. Think about it like this. If you're standing on top of a table, and you grab somebody's hand who's standing on the floor, is it easier for you to pull them up onto the table or is it easier for them to pull you down off of the table? Answer is pretty obvious, isn't it? Unless you're really strong and they're really light, it's going to be a lot easier for the person to pull you down than for you to pull them up. Don't be deceived about this. Bad company ruins good morals. When you spend time around people who use bad language, don't be surprised when you start to use bad language. When you spend your time with people who gossip or tell dirty jokes, and we could go down the line and talk about all of these different sins. When you spend time with people who live or talk or think in sinful ways, don't be surprised when you do too. Bad company ruins our good morals, and that's why Paul tells us that we are to stay away. To stay away from sinful influences, not to build a hedge around us where we never go out into the world, but not to be partners with them in their sinful behavior. It's a phrase that we've become accustomed to, a phrase we've heard a lot over the past couple years, but it shouldn't be a new phrase. When we look at passages like this one in Ephesians 5, verses 3-7, through stay away. We are to stay away from sin. 
We are to stay away from deception. We are to stay away from sinful influences while doing what's right. We are to stay away from what's wrong. So ultimately, the question that I have to think about and the question that you have to think about is how does this message apply to you? How does this message apply to me? What is it in your life that's stunning your spiritual growth? What is it in your life that's stopping you from reaching your full potential in who Jesus wants you to be? What are some things that you need to stay away from? Will you work on that this week? Whether it's sin, whether it's deception, whether it's sinful influences, or whether it's something else. What do you need to stay away from? And what do you need to do to set up some guardrails in the next few days? Because again, remember, if we fail to do this, there's a high price to pay and a punishment that none of us want. It's a punishment that God doesn't want us to have. God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth according to what Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2. So do you need to take that step tonight? Do you need to rededicate your life to Jesus? Maybe you're in a situation where you're saying, I haven't stayed away from these things. And my life hasn't been pure. It hasn't been wholly dedicated to God. He hasn't been my number one pursuit. We'd love to pray for you. Maybe you'd like to study the Bible together. Or maybe you're ready to make commitment to Jesus to be buried in the waters of baptism. If we can do anything to help you, then let us do that as Seth leads us in our invitation song.